Hi, this is Rick Thompson, the pastor at Living Water Community Church. This is our podcast, and I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this message builds your faith and blesses you. Please enjoy it. I love that. Good morning. And again, welcome, church family. Good to see all your faces. I want to welcome those who are joining us online. Uh, Before I jump into the message, I just want to make sure that we are keeping our our brothers and sisters and fellow Floridians in prayer that's in that got hit by hurricane. Uh, we as a church decided to collect donations uh, on behalf of them. We have a, a, a family in the community that has a big old trailer that will be taking it up. And so we have a list that you can look at, things that they're going to need initially. If you have them, this is a drop-off point. Bring it, bring it here, and let's, you know, let's be his hands and be his feet. Amen so that we can show the love of Jesus in a tangible way. I love the message in that uh, video. It says the enemy is strong, but our God is stronger. Amen? Amen. The enemy has some, you know, he has some skills and whatever, some strength, but our God has all power. It reminded me of the story in 2 Kings uh, chapter 6 where it says that the, the king of Aram, who was at odds with the king of Israel, he became enraged because every time he would try to um, tried to attack, it, it seemed like his plans were thwarted. It's almost like they, they knew in advance. And so he called his people together because he thought there was a spy among us. And he said, where, where, who, where's there a spy among us? And one of them stood up and said, sir, there is no spy among us. The, 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 the people of Israel have a prophet in, the, in their land that tells the king the very words you speak in your bedroom. Come on, somebody. Isn't it nice, to, isn't it nice to, to, to have somebody who hears from the Lord, amen? To have a prophet among us so that we can steer ourselves away from problems and steer ourselves away from the things. But, my, but you know what Jesus said? He said, my sheep know my voice, and they listen. So God wants to be able to, to give that same blessing to every single one of us. So there was a prophet in Israel, and so he decided he was going to go hunt down this prophet, and get rid of him, and he found out where he was, and the, and the Bible says he surrounded the town with him. And the scripture says, when they woke up, when he and, and his servant woke up, he says, when the servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city, and he said, oh no, my Lord, what shall we do? And the prophet said, don't be afraid. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Come on, somebody. And Elijah prayed, and op- the Lord opened his eyes. And when he opened his eyes, the Lord, he, he looked on the, on the hillside, and surrounding the army, the Bible says, were horses and chariots of fire all around them. There's more with us than with them. Amen? Even when I think of the uh, demonic attacks, the Scripture says a third of the angels went along with Satan's deception. But if one-third fell, there's still two-thirds in heaven. Amen? So there is more with us. Now, you might feel surrounded on all sides by your enemy and by negative circumstances happening in your lives. You might even feel stuck in a rut, that rut that feels like you take two steps forward and three steps back. But again, I got some good news. Ultimately, the battle belongs to the Lord, and we are on the Lord's side. Now, unfortunately for some of us, listen to me, the rut 
and the negative circumstances that we find ourselves in are of our own making. I'm talking about the man in the mirror, right? Not always, but sometimes. That's to say the enemy knows that he can't just take us on directly. And so what, he, what does he do? He implements a strategy for us to take ourselves out. That's what the greedy prophet Balaam uh, offered to the enemies of Israel in Numbers chapter 22 when the king contracted with him to curse the people of Israel. And so he brought them to a high place, and he saw that they had invaded their land, and he wanted to curse them. There's too many of them. They're going to cause this problem. And he called the prophet Balaam to give him a curse. And every time the prophet Balaam went out to say something against them, not a curse would come out, but only a blessing. And three times he tried it, and the king, Balak, was getting so upset that I, I'm willing to pay you to curse these people. And, and every time you go out to curse them, you only, uh, only a blessing would come out. And he says, listen, you cannot curse what God has blessed. Come on, somebody. And you cannot bless what God has cursed. And so if God is with us, nothing can be against us. Now, having said that, the, the prophet wanted the money so bad, he says, but I can't curse them. And you can't curse them, but we can figure out a way to get them to curse themselves. Listen to me. In Revelation 2, 14, it tells us what he did. It says, nevertheless, I have a few things against you. There are some among you who hold to the teachings of Balaam, that was the prophet, who taught Balak, that was the king, to entice the Israelites to sin so that they ate food, sacrificed to idols, and committed what? Sexual immorality. Sexual immorality. In other words, he told them how to entice and entrap the men of Israel by sending the Moabite women into the Israeli camp to seduce them into compromising their faith by worshiping other gods and compromising their morals. And guess what happened? It worked. These men started hooking up with these women. These women started leading them to worship other gods. And all of a sudden, they brought a curse on them, a plague on them. The Bible says that killed 24,000 of them in that moment. They couldn't outwardly curse them, but they figured out a way for them to curse themselves. Tragic. Now, the Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians 9, 24, he says, don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize. So run to win. Turn to someone and say, run to win. Run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for, for an eternal prize. So I run with purpose in every step. He says, I am not just, help me out somebody, shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. The title of the series that we are going into is called Shadow Boxing. Shadow Boxing. And we're going to be covering various, the various strategies today and over the next few weeks uh, of how to walk in the victories in the key areas of our lives to include the battles without, 
The scripture says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities and ruling spirits in high places. So there's a battle going on all around us. But let me tell you something. There's also a battle going on within us. Because, again, oftentimes we are our worst enemies. But God still wants to give us the victory. Amen? And so in John 10.10, Jesus said, The thief comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy. But he said, But I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. And so one of the devil's many tools that he uses to, 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 to ensnare us or to capture us is that of addictions or addictive behavior. He lays a trap, and ultimately his goal is to enslave us, and he, and he wants to get us hooked in so that he can, the Bible says, steal, to kill, and to destroy us. Now, one of, what are some of the things that he steals from us when he gets his hooks in us? He will try to rob us of our joy. He will try to take our peace, our love for God. He'll take our strength, our personal integrity, your dignity, your health, your home, your marriage, and even your life if you allow him. That's why Jesus came up with a radical solution. Someone say radical. He says we need not be playing around with these things that the enemy is laying out for us. He said in, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 27, he says, You have heard the commandment that says you must not commit adultery. What commandment is that, by the way? Seven. Whoa, somebody was here and paying attention. The seventh commandment. He said, But I say anyone who looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in, her, in his heart. Someone said amen back there. Calm down. Just let me, let me finish my... He says, so if your eye, even your good eye, causes you to lust, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. People don't like to talk about hell anymore, but I do. Not that I like to, but I teach it because Jesus taught it. Amen? And if your hand, even your strong hand, causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. Jesus said it's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. In other words, what was he saying? He's saying, don't mess with it, don't coddle it, don't play with it, get rid of it. Now, the question is this morning to you and those who are listening online, what have you been wrestling with? What have you been shadow boxing with, if you will? Said another way, what are your strong hand and left eye issues? Come on, somebody. The ones that Jesus says if they cause you to stumble, to get rid of. For many, it's addictions, addictions of all kinds, even pills prescribed by doctors, cigarettes. Now they're vaping and there's food addictions, gambling. Now video games. How many other people are addicted to video games? A kid I heard on the news the other, months ago, a kid killed himself because the dad took it, took it away. Killed himself. Let's not forget the big ones, heroin and fentanyl, that they're wiping out a lot of people. I Googled it. Last year, 107,000 people overdosed, according to the CDC. 107,000 in this country alone, and we're pushing up to 200,000. All these are avenues that the devil uses to steal and to kill and to destroy. Again, the question is, what do you find yourself shadow boxing with? 
title of this morning's message is the, the, the Addiction Trap. The Addiction Trap. And there are three elements to a good trap if you're a hunter. Where are my hunters out there? Any hunters out there? Just me. I, I'm not good because usually there's no animals harmed whenever I go out. I'm trying to harm them, but anyway. There's three, <laughs> there's three elements to a good trap for a hunter. First, I want you to write this down. There's, a, there's the attraction. Attraction, that means that you put out something to entice the animal to come, like corn or food or sense of the opposite sex. It reminded me of when I went with my, my brother, Dean, and we went on a bow hunt up in Georgia. And we got all out there. We got out to the woods where our stand was the day before we set everything up. We put out the corn. Next thing we, we, we unpack, we get our bow ready, and all of a sudden he, he sprang himself all down with something. And I'm like, Dean, what are you doing? What, what, what is that you're spraying? He said, it's to kill the scent. I said, bro, I can smell you from 10 miles out. Give it to me. What is that? And I looked at it and it said, fox urine. <laughs> he had grabbed the wrong thing. And he sprayed himself with fox urine. Guess what? We didn't catch nothing that day. And I wouldn't let him back into my RV either until he hosed himself off. But you sense to attract. And then the second thing is deception. Deception, that means it, 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 looks, it doesn't look like something that it is. It's like a fishing lure. The fish, you make these great lures, and they look like fish. They look like something they want to eat, but they don't realize there's a hook inside. And then the last step is subjugation, subjection or enslavement. That means once you're in it, once you're hooked, Basically, it's very difficult to get, get out of it. And the harder you struggle, the tighter the noose, like a, a snare or entanglement. That's why the scripture says, don't allow yourself to be entangled again with the sins of this world. Once God has set you free, stay free. Amen? Amen. Don't think just because you said a prayer that the enemy stops. He doesn't stop working because if he can't get your soul, he's going to go after your testimony. He's going to go after your witness. He's going to try to put that light out. And so we have to be vigilant. The scripture says the, the enemy, uh, he, 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 he roams around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. And he's an excellent trickster and an excellent trapster. He knows how to set a trap through all these methods, attraction and, and deception. And once he has you, he wants to keep you so he can destroy you or to subjugate you or enslave you. Now, what's he again trying to destroy? I'm telling you, he's going after your reputation. He's going after your, your marriage, your family, your children, and your life. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about because you've either been ensnared before and Jesus delivered you, or you know people who are currently ensnared, or worse, you know people who were ensnared and it took their life. They got caught up in it and they got taken out. We all know people like that. And so in Matthew, the passage, Jesus is telling us two important things. He says that the, the inward nature of sin and the outward manifestation, these are the things we need to focus on. The Bible teaches that our outward nature flows from what's on the inside because it all starts in our heart. That's why he said, you have heard that it was said you shall not murder, but if you have hatred in your where? In your heart, he says, it, it, it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to produce something along the same lines. 
He said, he said, thou shalt not commit adultery, but if you look on a woman with lust, you have committed adultery where? In your heart. Now, practically speaking, they're not the same thing. I mean, I'd rather have someone hate me than actually try to kill me. But Jesus was saying, at its root, the sin is essentially the same. It's, it's anger or hatred that leads to murder, and it's lust that leads to adultery or sexual immorality. So all outward manifestations of sin were first an inward sinful thought or attitude. Does that make sense? Amen? Say amen if you agree. Amen. The second thing he deals with is the outward behaviors that we have trouble controlling. He's not advocating the use of self-mutilation to get ourselves under control. And when he says cut it off or tear it out, he's using hyperbole to get our attention. Because if your right eye causes you to stumble, pluck it out. And if your left hand causes you to sin, cut it off. But how many know that you can still lust even without an eye? And you can still sin even without a hand. And so he's using hyperbole. And I believe what he's talking about here is addictive behavior. Or the, or the difficulties we have with controlling certain behaviors in our lives. The fact, the fact is that we are, all, we, we, we are all different and we all struggle in different degrees with certain behaviors. And under the right circumstances and triggers, we're going to fall every time. One of my, one of my struggles is, is, is sugar cookies. Whenever I go to a Publix and I walk through the store and I, and I walk by the bakery, I can, I can hear it calling me. It literally knows my name, Rick. Rick, come on. Sometimes it even calls me Pastor Rick. <laughs> Respectful. And if I give into it and I grab the whole thing of it and I take it home, listen, before, as I'm getting in the car, I'm ripping open one. <laughs> I've taken one. Before the end of the week, it's been calling me all day and night. That whole thing is gone. Sugar cookies. Who knew? Now, all of our issues might be different, and we all might say, well, Pastor Rick, well, I can control it. I can control whatever your thing is. The question is not, not can you control it. The question is, do you control it? And Jesus is suggesting using extreme language even for that day that we should control it. The, this whole issue of addictions and addictive behavior, believe it or not, is not new. In Romans chapter 7, Paul illustrates his own personal struggle with a sinful nature that's bent on, on doing what's wrong. In, in Romans chapter 7, verse 18, this is the apostle Paul, and listen to what he says. He says, I know that, having, that nothing good lives in me that is in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For what I do, for what I do is not the good I want to do. No, the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. Now, if I do, not, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who, do, who, who does it, but it's sin living in me that does it. So I find this law at work. When I want to do good, evil is right there with me. Come on, talk about shadow boxing with yourself. Now listen how it sounds in the message. He says, I realize that I don't have what it takes. I can will it, but I can't do it. I decide to do good, but I don't really do it. I decide not to do bad, but then I do it anyway. My decisions, such as they are, don't result in action. Sometimes something has gone wrong deep within me, 
and gets the better of me every time. It happens so regularly that it's predictable, and the moment I decide to do good, sin is there to trip me up. Anyone ever have that kind of conflict going on? Come on, somebody. You know the right thing to do, but you just don't do it. You know you shouldn't be watching a certain thing on on television, but you watch it anyway. You know you shouldn't be eating whatever it is, but you take it anyway. You know that, that, that you shouldn't be doing certain things or, or you should be doing certain things, but you don't do it, like reading your Bible or even coming to church regularly. But, but something is preventing you from doing what you know to be the right thing to do. Again, Jesus said, if your right hand is causing you to stumble, cut it off. That's called, I want you to deal with whatever thing you are struggling with. What are your right hand or left eye issues? It could be anything. What are your weaknesses? Again, it could be anything. Now, the Apostle Paul, he wasn't specific, and I'm thankful for it, but he gave us a glimpse into his own addictive struggle, and there are many, but for today's teaching, I'm going to mention two of the areas that I think are probably the most destructive that's going on in the body of Christ today. But before I do, I want to give you some statistics concerning addictions that I pull right from offline. Nicotine, as of 2020, it says 59.2% of Americans 12 and older have tried that. That's something like what? 300, there's 331 million Americans. Marijuana, as of 2020, 17.9% of Americans have tried it. Painkillers in all its forms, uh, uh, 3.3% of Americans have tried it 12 years old and older, like, co- like codeine and Vicodin and oxycodone, and now fentanyl. Cocaine is, as of 2020, 14.2% of Americans. Heroin, 2.3%. The benzodiazepines, that's the, that's the Valiums and the Xanax and the Clonopins, 1.7%. And all these mood-regulating drugs, all right? Alcohol, as of 2020, what's the number? Help me out, somebody. Is it up there? 79.5%. Now, listen to me this morning. Nicotine in cigarettes absolutely probably kills the most people because it has carcinogens in it. And over time, you keep smoking, you're building stuff up. And you, how many watch, how many have watched the, what is it, the, the queen thing on, on uh, uh, the royals, whatever? The crown, the crown. And the, the first king started out, he's coughing up blood, smokes like a fiend, and then everybody's smoking and everyone's getting cancer. Back then it was acceptable. But over time, you keep smoking, you're basically, you know, writing your, your death sentence. But the biggest problem in the church, believe it or not, is not the smoking. The biggest problem in the church is still... Alcohol, alcohol, bigger than all of them combined because it's socially acceptable, yet it claims more addictions than most of them combined. One in every 13 adults in America today is either an alcoholic or abuses alcohol. That's 53% of the population report that one or more of their close relatives have drinking problems, 53% of 331 million people. Say one, what is it? One or more of their close relatives have drinking problems. Let's see if that's true. 
Anyone in your family with drinking problems? Just put, just put up your hands. Anyone in your family? Look, look around the room. Yeah, that's about half of us in here. I, I, I've got family members that, that, that have drinking problems. Some of them don't even know they have drinking problems. Everybody else knows they have drinking problems, but they're just like, eh. listen. According to a recent study, 7.4 to 9.7% of the population are dependent on alcohol. That's almost one in 10. This 13.7 to 23.5% of Americans are alcohol dependent. At some point in their lives, 11 million Americans are heavy drinkers, with another 32 million who engage in binge drinking. Alcohol is responsible for more than half of all the automobile fatalities. There are 9 million children living with parents that are dependent on alcohol or some other illicit drug. It's a factor in a majority of the divorces in this country, a contributing factor in 9 out of 10 unwanted pregnancies. It's the leading cause of birth defects in children, second leading cause of premature death next to smoking, contributing factor for a third, it's a contributing factor for a third of the suicides in our nation. We call it liquid courage. I was called a few years ago on, a, on somebody had visited our church briefly and a friend of hers couldn't get a hold of her. The phone just kept going to, to voicemail. And so they, they called me up and said, Pastor, can you come with me? to check on them. And so I said, yes. And I went, knocked on the door, knocked on the door. They finally came to the door, and they obviously were drinking. We're just checking on you. You're not picking up the phone. Are you okay? Yes, I'm fine. I'm fine. And then the spirit told me. I looked at them. I said, you're thinking about killing yourself. And she looked at me like, oh, my goodness. How'd you know? I said, I just... It just popped in my spirit. They call it liquid courage. They're drinking them, and sure enough, that's what she was thinking. I said, please don't do it. Go get help. She was having trouble, couldn't keep a job because of the alcohol, the whole nine yards. Got her into some kind of trying to get her that type of help. But three months later, she went ahead and killed herself. Alcohol-related incidences. It's just sad. It's present in more than a half the domestic violence cases, responsible for 95% of the violence on our campuses, our schools today, 90% of the rapes, 60% of the STDs contracted by women, a third of all the child abuse cases, alcohol-related, 67% of all the murders in this country. People hospitalized with alcohol use disorder have an average life expectancy. Are you ready? 47 to 53 years for men, 50 to 58 years for women, and they die 20 to 24, 28, 24 to 28 years earlier than people in the general population. Listen to me. Jesus says, if your right eye or your good hand causes you to stumble, cut it out. Cut it out. Now, I'm not trying to get in any arguments with any, anybody over this issue. I'm not going to stand up here and tell you that the Bible says you can't drink? Because it doesn't. You know, there will be religious people who say that. They, they won't find it in the Bible. It does say don't be drunk, but be ye filled with the Holy Spirit. Amen? And the Bible says, teaches us not to let sin or anything else control us because the Scripture wants us to be controlled only by the Lord. Amen? But again, it doesn't say you can't drink. And someone would say to me, well, pastor, 
We can use it as long as we don't abuse it, and, and, and that's true. Let me just put a bug in your ear, particularly for those who struggle and have personally felt the devastating effect of alcohol in their lives. Listen to me. I call it the 100% rule. There's another 100% rule, all right? The 100% rule as it relates to alcohol is this. 100% of the people who abuse it, use it. And 100% of the people who never use it, don't abuse it. Ta-da! Just a thought. And I've never met a person who started using it with the intent of abusing it. Did you hear that? I've never met anyone that says, you know, <laughs> I, I think I want to grow up to be a, a drunk one day. I think I'll start using today in the hopes of being, being a hopeless drunk or to ruin my marriage or to embarrass my kids or to kill somebody while driving drunk. No one starts there. It always starts with, with you know, life gets a little stressful and, and maybe there's a little pressure and, and one thing leads to another, so you start drinking this way and sometimes it, it takes years and years, but eventually the trap closes on you and you're coming to the pastor or the prayer line because your liver is failing or the divorce papers are signed by your significant others or worse, you've passed the, the nasty habit on to your children. And what you do in moderation, they'll do in excess because they, they, they saw you model it. You were you a functional drunk, but now they're like screaming drunks. Listen, you may not have a problem drinking like me. I, I've never been drunk one day in my life. Listen to me. But your spouse might have a problem drinking. Your kids might have a problem drinking. And I want to suggest to you today that God, your loving Father, doesn't want you to do something that's going to end up destroying you or the people you love. He wants us to be free. Come on, somebody. Amen. He wants us to remain free. Now, let me give you a, a second addiction that eventually uh, what we see pop up in the church, and it's just as destructive in many other ways, and that's the addiction of Pornography. Pornography. It's what Jesus was talking about in Matthew chapter 5 when he mentioned sexual lust. It's, it's a problem for a lot of people, not just men. Back, th back in the day, it used to be just men. <laughs> not so much anymore. The women are jumping up there. It says 10% of U.S. adults admit to having an addiction to Internet pornography. 17% of all women struggle with porn addiction. That's a high number. That's, according to, that's as of 2022. 20% of men, 13% of women admit to accessing, accessing porn while at work. On the clock. Again, it's mostly men because men are motivated by sight. A woman looks good to a man. And if that's not true, listen, you have a different problem. We'll tackle it a different day. But... Knowing we're wired that way, the devil knows just how to lay the trap. In fact, it's so insidious that today the counselors say that most addictions take one to two years to form. Pornography, 30 days. You look at it for 30 days, you're hooked. You've got a problem for life. Now, it's insidious because... With all our addictions, you have to put a, a needle in your arm or, or some kind of 
drug in your mouth in order to get high. But the pornography addiction, it uses the chemicals that are in your brain, in your own body. As you look at the material, the adrenalines are released. And just like any drug, it, it takes more and more to get high. I've, heard, I've seen people start out one way, and before you know it, I've been a pastor for a long time. Before you know it, they're sleeping with prostitutes because their wife doesn't look like the pictures that they're looking at. It's getting quiet in here. People would say that men have always struggled with lust, but there's never been a time when it's so accessible with the advent of the computers and the internet, and it's so anonymous. Jesus says, if you're right, hand or eye causes you to stumble, to cut it off. And so what's the solution to all these issues, any of these addiction issues, these things that we're finding ourselves fighting with ourselves, shadow boxing with ourselves? I'm going to give you three things this morning. Write this down. Recognize where you're weak. Recognize where you're weak. Uh, it may not be in any of these things that we talked about today, but you have to recognize where your struggle is and stop rationalizing it and justifying it. I like that sign that was put out by the, the Florida Council on Compulsive Gambling. It says, do you know the risk of gambling? Gambling problems, 1-888. What does that say? Admit it. Admit it. Admit it. Listen to me. Nothing changes until you stop lying to yourself. Nothing changes. And the trap just keeps getting tighter and tighter. And the snare keeps getting tighter and tighter on you. You've got to admit that there's a problem going on. And how do you know there's a problem going on? Well, initially people would tell you. and then, But you kept, you know brushing it off or getting mean at, mad at them for telling you what's going on. And now they're not saying it anymore. They're praying for you silently. But if these are issues that people have been telling you, acknowledge it and admit that there's a problem going on. Okay? The next thing you want to do is to remove the offense. Get it out of your life. I can't bring those cookies home. It calls me all night. When you're weak in an area, you can't play with it. You have to go radical. And Jesus came up with the most radical. Cut it, cut it off and pluck it out. Now, two things to help you go radical in this area to remove these offenses. One of them is confession. You can write that down. Because it's the secret sin that keeps you in bondage. And you might want to confess to one other person, man to man or woman to woman, with a spouse or with a group of people. But this is what the Bible says in James chapter 5, verse 16. It says, therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. Amen? God wants to give you the victory. God wants to set us free. He wants us to walk in freedom. So the, the first one is confession. 
Own it. And then the second one is cleansing. 2 Timothy 2 verse 20 says, In a large house there are articles, not only of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay. Some are for noble purposes and some for ignoble purposes. If a man cleanses himself from the latter, from ignoble purposes, he will be an instrument for what? For noble purposes. In other words, God will be able to use you. These addictions are blowing your testimony. It's tearing up your life. But the Bible says if you would cleanse yourself from the latter, you can be an instrument for noble purposes, made wholly useful to the master, and prepared to do any good work. Because while you're walking around in those addictions, with your Jesus shirt on, <laughs> you're a walking contradiction. You understand? And really nobody cares what you say. It takes the power of the gospel and it diminishes it because you're a walking contradiction. So the scripture says, tells us what to do. It says, flee the evil desires of youth and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace along with those who call on the Lord out of a what? A pure heart. Now again, this isn't talking about salvation. It's talking about keeping things in our heart that shouldn't be there. Keeping things in our heart that should not be there. It says flee the garbage. Flee the, the evil desires of youth. But you don't just stop doing something. We call that people who just stop doing it. I'll just stop doing it. Well, what are you going to fill it with? Because something, nature abhors a vacuum. You've got to fill it with something. It says flee, and then it says pursue. Pursue righteousness and faith and love and peace. So that, so that, so that with, with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Now, there's lots of resources today for those who struggle with any addictions to include porn. Listen to me. Those with children and grandchildren. If you put a computer or iPad or iPhone in your child's bedroom that's connected to the Internet. See, when Sylvia and I were young, you couldn't get a hold of it. It was behind a store counter with bags over it, right? And, you know, you might have gotten lucky when you went to a friend's house and you found their dad's stash or something along those lines, all right? It's hard to get to. Today, listen to me, it, it's right on the Internet. And if you allow that into your kid's room, you might as well take your 12-year-old son and drop him off at a topless bar. Because that's how accessible all of that stuff is, just from your phone. Recognize where you're weak. Remove the offense. And let me give you the third one. Remember the reason for your sacrifice. Remember the reason why you're doing it. And let me give you a reason. Because freedom is worth it. Come on, somebody. Your children are worth it. Your testimony is worth it. Your, your integrity is worth it. Your life is worth it. 
whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Come on, somebody. Psalms 32, 1 says, Happy is the person whose sins are forgiven, whose wrongs are pardoned. Happy is the person whom the Lord does not consider guilty, in whom there is nothing false. Anybody want to be happy? Come on, somebody. Allow God to remove these things from your life. Don't rationalize it. Don't justify it. Don't, make it, don't, hurt, don't nurse it. Don't rehearse it. Get rid of it. So again, the question for you and me and those who are listening online, because it's awfully quiet in here, is what are you shadow boxing with? And honestly ask yourself, how is it going? Are you going to try and stay in control or are you going to allow God to have control in that situation? Because the only way to true freedom is to let go and to let God. And we know the universal sign for surrender. It's to say, Lord, I need you. I need you. I want to turn these things over to you. And Jesus said that to cast all your cares on him because he cares for us. Do you believe that? But I got to get honest with it. And I got to stop making excuses for it. And they say, what well, they say, call a spade a spade. If it's there, admit it. And turn it over to God. Turn it over to Jesus. Because Jesus dealt with it radically. He says, if your eye, even your good eye, causes you to stumble, take it out. Better for you to go into hell with one good eye, I mean, go into heaven with one good eye than to go to hell with two good ones. If your, if your hand, even your good hand, how many right-handers do we have in here? How many left-handers do we have in here? That's your good hand. Whatever your hand is, if, if that hand is causing you to stumble, Cut it off. It's better for you to go into heaven with one arm than with two good arms and split hell wide open. And again, he's not talking about mutilating yourself. He's talking about stop ignoring it. Stop pretending it's not happening. And stop acting like it's not doing damage. Of course it is. Deal with it. And get rid of it. All that starts with surrendering to God. And many of us have done it. We've surrendered areas of our lives. But for the addiction, shadow boxing that's going on, that's one area that we're, you know, Lord, you know, I need this, I need that for that, blah, 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 whatever. And it's what the enemy's using. Well, Jesus said it, that the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy do you think Jesus was kidding when he said that? I've done too many funerals already where the devil succeeded in stealing and killing and destroying. And it was things that people were shadow boxing with themselves. I said this to, the other, to someone else the other, the, the other day. 
I said, as a pastor, I understand people dying from sickness, old age, accidents. I understand that. These things are out of our control. I don't understand doing funerals for people who are addicts who have the power within themselves to surrender that to the Lord and to get free, but they continue on their merry way till it eventually kills them and the grief that goes along with it. I don't understand that. Those are the worst. So if you're here today, God brought you here. This This was on my agenda to be teaching in this series. If you're watching and, and, and you have these issues, God is talking to you. Now, here's the thing. Jesus said, if you, if you hear me, hear my voice, listen to me. Because there are those who would hear and ignore and move forward like the prophet Balaam who was trying to curse the children of Israel after God said not to, and he decided he was going to try anyway. He said, God, God said, go ahead. Go ahead then. But then God loosed an angel in front of him with a big old sword and commissioned him to take off his head. But the donkey of all people kept seeing the angel and swerving to the left and swerving to the right. And then it was right in front of him, the scripture said. <laughs> and so the donkey laid down and refused to move. And Balaam, like an idiot, started kicking his donkey. Why aren't you moving? And then the Bible says God opened the mouth of the donkey. And said, have I ever disobeyed you? You don't see what's ahead? And then God opened his eyes. And there was a big old angel with a thing to take, him up, take off his head. He said, you, got, you need to thank that donkey. Because if it wasn't for that donkey, you'd be dead because you don't listen to what I have to say. Now, let me tell you something. There are many of us who God has sent donkeys into your lives. It's your husband, your wife, your children, a neighbor, a friend, your pastor. And you're hell-bent on going a certain way. And because they are not in agreement with you are kicking the donkey because they're not saying what they want. Stop kicking the donkeys. They're sent to you by God to get you off of the foolish path that you're on. Is anybody listening to me today? Because the life you save might be your own. I started with a prophet king, there's no one against you. Israel has a prophet in this land that tells their king the very things you whisper in your own bedroom. God wants us to start to discern his voice so that we can avoid a lot of the problems that we find ourselves in because he wants us to be free and he will give you the strategy to to be free if you will listen to him. 
alcohol has become socially acceptable, it's the number one killer in our country today. Don't be stupid. Allow the wisdom of the Lord to permeate your heart and live and to be the example for your kids and your, ch and your children's children. Amen? It starts with surrender with Jesus. And so if you're here today and you've not yet accepted Christ, if you're listening to me online and you've not yet accepted Christ as your Savior and your Lord, that's where it begins. I'm going to ask everyone to bow their heads and to close their eyes and say something like this from your heart. Say, Heavenly Father, I acknowledge that I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. I thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to die for me on the cross. And three days later, rise from the dead. I put my trust completely in him for the salvation of my soul. And if you're here today with every head bowed and every eye closed, and you're shadow boxing with one of the issues that we talked about today, Turn that stuff over to Jesus right now. Ask him to cleanse you. Because in a house there's vessels for noble use and ignoble use. And God's calling you to confess so that there might be a cleansing. So that he can start using you in a powerful way. Because whom the son says free is free indeed. Don't make excuses for it. Today is the first day of the rest of your life. And the days ahead of you look way better than those in the back. If you turn it over to Jesus, ask him to help you. Help me in these areas, Father. Give me a strategy so that I can cut these things off of my life. Say, I surrender all to you right now. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you so very much for listening to this message. We hope you were truly blessed. If you were, please subscribe to our podcast if you haven't already and share it with a friend. Doing so will cause the seeds of God's word and the message of his love to spread like wildfire. So thanks again for partnering with us in this important way. Stay thirsty for Christ, my friends, until the whole world hears. God bless.